0: Party. I will be the nominee for my party, Chris.
1: That, oh, that is that is already done. Done. It's already done. That's what she said.
0: Well, I don't know why I came here tonight. I got the feeling
1: there's something right. No, it ain't. I'm so scared in case I fall off my chair. Not scared. And I'm wondering how I'll get down the stairs. Clowns to the left of me to the right here I am Stuck in the
0: middle with you Yep Yes I'm stuck in the middle
1: with From Pacifica Radio in Los Angeles This is The broadcast As heard on KPFK 90.7 FM People-powered radio in Los Angeles Up in Oregon on 91.7 FM KYAQ On the Central Coast And 106.7 FM Queso in Cottage Grove In Pennsylvania on 93FM, WLRI in Lancaster. In Hawaii on 88.5FM, KAKU, the voice of Maui. In Hawaii on WGRN, 94.1FM in Columbus. And in Minneapolis, St. Paul on AM 950, KTNF, the progressive voice of Minnesota. Streaming. Coast to coast and around the globe on the Progressive Voices channel, NetRoots Radio, Indie Media Weekly, FYI Nation, Radio or Not, Radio Free Brooklyn, GDPR Nashville, Detour Talk in East Tennessee, and many other fine affiliates, including Radio Sputnik, Blanketing the Earth. Five days a week, I'm Brad Friedman, your friendly investigative blogger, journalist, troublemaker. Muckraker, an all-around swell fellow trying to make sense of it all, as we do every day here on the Bradcast. Thank you for joining us. Um, yesterday, I had uh, predicted that uh, the folks over at Daily Coast, where we where we post the uh, Bradcast as well every day, along with Bradblog.com and everywhere else, that they were going to go nuts because I dared to interview Jill Stein, Uh, Green Party presidential candidate. She was the uh, uh, party's nominee in 2012. She'll uh, we'll see. But she'll uh, she's the front runner, I I, I suppose, for the 2016 Green Party presidential nomination. And merely interviewing her, merely talking to her, uh, made the folks over at Daily uh, Daily Coast go nuts. Oh, the horror. They need to lighten up. Uh, You know, (laughs) uh, they need to understand how news works, how journalism works. We interview people. We report things. Uh, yes, if Donald Trump actually wanted to come on this program, yes, I would speak to him. I would press him with hard questions, and then I would post it on Daily Coast, where, for some reason, all their heads are exploding right now as they're in the middle of this battle between Hillary Clinton and Bernie Sanders. And uh you know, that's what uh, that's how democracy works. It is a lively battle uh, uh, between the two candidates there, although, as you just heard Hillary Clinton at the top of the show, she says it's done. She says it's over. She says she's got the party's nomination uh, and there's no reason to the primary canceled folks out here in, in California. New Jersey, Montana, North Dakota, South Dakota, New Mexico, all of whom were uh, planning to vote in a, in a few weeks on June 7th in in uh, in that primary, Democratic primary. No need. It's over, says Hillary Clinton. Uh, I'm not quite sure that's the case. We'll find out. Uh, in the meantime, I think people ought to be uh, able to vote for whoever they'd like to vote for. And I think the elect- electorate ought to be well informed so they can do their job uh, uh, better, so they can be better voters. Uh, speaking of informing the electorate, our own Desi Doyen is here as usual. Hi, Des. Hello. Uh, and you will be back a little bit later, of course, with our latest Green News Report. A lot of uh, a lot of interesting stuff. A lot of interesting stuff from <laughs> from Donald Trump. Sorry. Uh, and uh and but some good victories actually a number of victories yes this it'll be week. very
0: cool i look forward to to bringing that
1: well we'll see we'll see how much you look forward to it once we get there uh anyway so you have that to look forward to but speaking of a better informed elector Electorate, The uh, L.A. Times has been doing a good job. And listen, I know we've got a lot of California listeners, and uh, so I've been talking about this. I've been talking about the California primary quite a bit coming up on June 7th. There are some, I think it's 475 delegates. I don't have it in front of me, but I think that's what it is out here in California that are going to uh, be up for grabs that day on the Democratic side. And then in all of those other states I just rattled off as well. Um, So it's a big deal. It's the largest uh, number of delegates available in any primary uh, night so far this uh, so far this season, this year. Uh, so it's important uh, that people know that yes, this election is still on despite what Hillary Clinton said on CNN. I think that was yesterday. And it's important that voters out here in uh, in delegate rich California, yes, more delegates from this state, a larger electorate than anywhere else, any other state. Uh, it's important that they understand what's going on, how they uh, you know need to be registered if they wish to participate. And uh, the fact that, uh, as we've been discussing, uh, out here in California, the, Demo- the uh, Democratic primary is a sort of a, I think it's called semi open or semi closed, something like that. In any event, you need to be registered as a Democrat or as a decline to state, a no party preference voter. So if you're an independent, if you haven't declared a party preference in California, you can vote in the Democratic primary if you wish to. If you want to vote in the Green uh, Party's primary, as we discussed yesterday with uh, Dr. Jill Stein, uh, you have to be registered specifically as a Green. They don't allow no party preference voters in California. The uh, in in the Green Party primary out here on June 7th. Similarly, if you want to vote in the Republican race, you have to be registered as a Republican to vote in that primary, which will take place on June 7th. Um, But there has been confusion that we have Well, for the uh, deadline to register, by the way, or to change your party registration to whatever you like is Monday, May 23rd. Uh, if you're in California, you want to vote, head to your uh, to your county registrar's website or call them uh, or go to the California Secretary of State's uh, website and where you can uh, get information on how to make sure you are registered to the party you think you are registered to uh, or change your registration as needed. In any event, we've been talking about the fact uh, since uh, I think it was last month, the L.A. Times came out with a new study finding that thousands and thousands of voters in California th- who thought they were independent, who who thought they would be able to vote in the upcoming primary since they're independent, since they haven't stayed at a party, that they'd be able to vote in the Democratic primary. It turns out they can't, many of them, because they accidentally registered with a party called the American Independent Party out here in California, this far right-wing uh, uh, party. People see the word independent and they, you know, sign up, but they don't realize they're actually signing up for an actual party. Desi Doyen, you did that yourself yes. some years ago, did yeah, you not? Huh? It,
0: it shows how uh, graphic design can make a huge difference. Well, it it really does forms, matter, yes, on those forms.
1: Registration forms, indeed, and I think it was 2008, you were not able to vote in the party you wanted the to primary. vote for. Yeah, that's right. Because and that's were, where I found out. Yeah, because you you uh registered as an American independent. So don't let that happen to you. But uh, in the meantime, the Los Angeles Times reported on this, reported on this huge number of voters who were thought they were independent, but in fact were American independent party. Uh, And they informed the voters about that. They used a lot of uh, big names like uh, actress Emma Stone and uh, Demi Moore and former boxing champ Sugar Ray Leonard, all of whom were registered accidentally as AIP, American Independent Party. Because, you know, it's California, and that helps people notice, I guess. Uh, But a lot of voters. So a new analysis now since that original series of reporting by The New York Times finds that nearly 32,000 voters in California's American Independent Party have now changed their official registration and they have left the party. In the two weeks following L.A. Times investigation identifying the widespread confusion among the party's members.
0: Wow. 32,000.
1: 32,000, which experts say is a huge number to uh, to change registration all at once in a period of two weeks. And uh, it was the period of two weeks following the uh, uh, the uh, the release of that uh, New York, uh, that L.A. Times story. So good for the L.A. Times for pulling that out and informing the public, 32,000 of which will now be able to participate in the uh, primary of their choice thanks to being informed by the L.A. Times. There, was that that difficult? Uh, Okay. Uh, By the way, more than half of the Californians who abandoned their American Independent Party membership in late April, 53%, uh, were younger than 55 years old. So they were uh, younger voters. What that means for the uh, Democratic primary out here in California, that remains to be seen. Uh, okay, um, speaking of informing the ele- electorate, uh, Donald Trump, <laughs> who was, uh, was speaking to the uh, NRA... Uh, Just before airtime today, um, to thank them for their endorsement. Yes, the National Rifle Association, or as I like to call them, the terror-loving National Rifle Association, has decided to endorse Donald Trump. And uh, so Donald Trump was was thanking them uh, for their for their efforts, uh, for their endorsement. And uh, also noted uh, during his remarks at the NRA today to a, a throng of uh, loving admirers uh, that he was going to get rid of so-called gun free zones. He was talking about what happened out here in um, uh, San Bernardino, San, San Bernardino, the terror last attack year. Back was that last December year? in December. Yeah. You know, and saying, oh, if people had guns, uh, then they would have been able to shoot back and we wouldn't have had any problem at all. Uh, anyway, here, here's a, a, a moment or two from his speech just before air today.
2: If we had guns on the other side, it wouldn't have been that way. I would have, boom. If we had guns on the other side, it wouldn't have been that way. And then you have the gun-free zones. The gun-free zones, that's real gun-free zones. We're getting rid of gun-free zones, okay? I can tell you. We're getting rid of them.
1: He will be uh, shutting down all of those gun-free zones. Uh, Now, uh, some irony, before the speech was even over, Uh, Sam Stein of Huffington Post committed some very quick journalism, uh, and he tweeted out that uh, just called up Trump's Mar-a-Lago resort down in Florida. Receptionist tells me it's a gun-free club. Then Sam Stein called uh, the Trump Hotel in Chicago, and he reports that uh, you can't bring guns there either. Receptionist tells me it's a gun-free hotel. So uh, there you go. We're going to get rid of these gun free zones, just not here in my building. Of course, at the venue where he was where he was, where Trump was speaking, participants there were all required by Trump's Secret Service detail detail, uh, to give up their guns and knives before entering the room. So. Gun-free zones for everyone else, just not for Donald Trump wherever he is and in whatever property he owns. In his speech to the NRA folks, Trump also went on to tell supporters that Hillary Clinton wants to abolish the Second Amendment a claim that he has made before, but which has been debunked by uh, fact-checkers time and again. She does not want to get rid of the uh, Second Amendment. He said that her calls to clo- uh, to uh, close the uh, loophole, the background check loopholes, means that she is, quote, putting the most vulnerable Americans in jeopardy. He added, that's so unfair and that is so egregious. He went on to call her heartless Hillary for that. Okay. Uh, Francis Wilkinson, uh, an editor over at Bloomberg uh, Views, said that, uh, tweeted, For seven years, the NRA told us Obama was coming for all the guns. It turns out, as we learned today, it's really Hillary Clinton who's coming for all the guns. What changed, he asked. Well, what changed is the fact that... Obama did not come for anybody's guns. Uh, For his part, Donald Trump, according to AP, backed an assault weapons ban as well as slightly longer waiting periods for gun purchases in his 2000 uh, uh, year 2000 book. But now, now that he's running for president, apparently he was just kidding. Uh, He says that gun bans don't work, and he has called for making it easier for law-abiding citizens to obtain and carry guns. There's also a bit more irony here, I should note before moving on, in that Trump, who pretends to be tough on terrorism, has happily accepted the NRA endorsement today, despite the fact that the NRA has fought successfully for years to ensure that people who are on the U.S. terror watch list, are not banned from purchasing guns. They may buy as many guns as they like, thanks to the NRA, who has fought uh, to make sure that even if you are on uh, the U.S. terrorism watch list, even if you can't get on a plane and fly, you can still buy guns. In a bit of further irony, I suppose, uh, Donald Trump's speech to the terrorist-loving NRA, thanking them for their endorsement, comes, uh, comes the day after the concerns that the Egypt air flight over the Mediterranean was brought down by an act of terror. Now, Trump said on Thursday that anybody who believes otherwise, who doesn't think that Egypt Air uh, Flight 804 was, quote, blown out of the sky, is, quote, 100% wrong. He's certain of that. All right, well, that. maybe that's true. Maybe that's what happened. But there is no small irony in that position juxtaposed with his acceptance the very next day of an endorsement from a group which has spent years fighting to make sure that potential terrorists are still able to buy all the weapons that they could possibly want. Okay. Uh, Just thought I'd mention that, you know, for uh, just to help out a better uh, informed electorate. Uh, In the meantime, uh, I have been warning, I have been telling you all Uh, that the Republicans would, in fact, uh, while they were pretending to be alarmed by Donald Trump, they would, in fact, all come around to him. They're all getting on board. They're all going to be just fine with him. He'll do just fine. Uh, We now have more evidence of that uh, top uh, House gop -er. Congresswoman Kathy McMorris-Rogers, the number four Republican in the House, now says that she has decided to back the presumptive Republican presidential nominee after all. McMorris Rogers, the chair of the House Republican Conference, detailed her feelings in a lengthy Facebook post. She had been a vocal critic of Trump's and his uh, comments about women and people with disabilities. Uh, back in, uh, in March, she told The New York Times, I think his comments regarding women and other, com- and other comments, I find them inappropriate. I find them hurtful, and I think they are hurtful to the party. She went on to criticize his divisic- divisive rhetoric that is dominating now. She refused to back him uh, as recently as March, and in early May, even as it became clear that Trump was going to become the nominee, McMorris-Rogers was still hesitant to endorse him. But after a meeting between Trump and House Republican leaders last week, McMorris-Rogers says everything is just dandy, is fine. She's all for him. Uh, she said in a statement, As the highest-ranking Republican woman in Congress, the mother of a son with Down syndrome, and a friend of people of all walks of life, I offer a unique uh, perspective. She said today was my first opportunity to discuss and impress upon the presumptive nominee the importance of championing championing a core value of the Republican Party, dreaming big for everyone and turning its back on no one. In her Wednesday Facebook uh, she detailed why she supports Trump. McMorris Rogers uh, said that uh, since her initial meeting uh, with, uh, with Trump she has been encouraged by conversations with Trump's team about policy, and that when deciding to vote for Trump, she factored in his popularity with primary voters in the Republican Party. She says, in our uniquely American electoral system, it's essential we respect the will of the people. They should never be neglected or dismissed. In fact, their will should be revered, she wrote. And she argued that Trump will make for a better president than Hillary Clinton, writing that Hillary Clinton lacks the integrity to be president. So... They, Talk about
0: lack of integrity.
1: <laughs> so, well, there you go. They are all coming on board. No question about it. Uh, and uh, more evidence. Uh, Sheldon Adelson, GOP mega donor, as they call him. Uh, he may spend as much as $100 million to support Donald Trump's bid for the White House, according to a New York Times report. The casino mogul told Trump he would financially back his campaign at a closed-door meeting last week. Two Republicans close to Adelson said to The Times and the amount pledged would exceed Adelson's spending on previous campaigns. This is for the self-financed Donald Trump. Remember, he said he will owe nothing to anyone. He will be in no one's pocket. Well, uh, I hope uh, Sheldon Adelson has a big pocket because uh, $100 million dollars. One man, one person will be putting forward to support Donald Trump. Uh, So uh, so much for that whole self-financed thing. And of course, he has now said uh, that he intends to uh, fundraise as well in other places uh, in his battle against Hillary Clinton. Adelson said that if Republicans do not come together in support of Trump, Obama will essentially be granted something the Constitution does not allow a third term in the name of Hillary Clinton. So you see, if Hillary Clinton wins presidential election, that will be unconstitutional, according to the Republicans now. But in fact, yes, uh, on the Republican side uh, and on the Donald Trump side, they are, in fact, raising money uh, big time now on uh, primary night, wasn't it? Kentucky-Oregon primary night. The Republicans came out with an announcement that uh, donors can now give nearly half a million dollars to a new joint fundraising effort between Trump and the RNC. Donald Trump is asking that this is a per person. Donald Trump will ask donors to give as much as four hundred and forty nine thousand four hundred dollars to support his White House bid and uh, and for down ballot candidates as well through a new fundraising agreement with the Republican National Committee. It's called the Trump Victory Fund. It is a joint committee between the Trump campaign, the RNC and 11 state parties. Uh, And so uh, these folks can now raise money to the tune of half a million dollars uh, to the to the party and to Donald Trump, who, remember, is self-financed. So he is beholden to no one. Right. Of course. Also, he thinks there should be a uh, an assault weapons ban, right? Mm, Of course not. Uh, he thinks there should be gun-free zones, right? Mm, maybe, but not in any building where he is actually at. So uh, the uh, Donald Trump has said he's going to try to raise more than $1 billion, $1 billion in conjunction with the RNC. And that would require committees to pull in a staggering $250 million a month for the next five months. But he is going to try. His first official fundraiser will take place out here in Los Angeles. I hope I'm invited on May 25 uh, by uh, hosted by investor Thomas Barack Jr., who did real estate business with Trump back in the 1980s. But, of course, he won't be beholden to him as well, right? Because he's so self-funding. Uh, Yes. In fact, right now, as I have said, uh, the party's coalescing around him. He's getting all the money he's going to need uh, and things are going great for Donald Trump. So, again, the word I have, the warning I have given to Democrats for so long was, hey, be careful what you wish for, especially when it comes to Donald Trump. Yes, indeed, as Jim Acosta said on Tuesday night when they announced this new fundraising effort between Donald Trump and the RNC.
0: Uh, But, Wolf, this is just another example and perhaps the biggest, biggest example so far since the end of the primaries, essentially in earnest for Donald Trump, uh, that this is Donald Trump's Republican Party now. Uh, That is one big message coming from this announcement tonight from the RNC and
1: the Trump campaign. It is indeed Donald Trump's Republican Party now. And he's doing well in that party, uh, at least to a certain uh, extent, given where he has come from. Um, And he's actually doing well against Hillary Clinton in more head-to-head polls. We've been running a number of these over the past week or so, covering them, talking about them, uh, and uh, how Donald Trump is doing well in these polls, closing the gap against Hillary Clinton, and in fact, in, in many of them, actually beating Hillary Clinton now, coming out ahead. I don't want to say many of them, in a number of them, in a number of the most recent ones. We have another one of those coming from Fox News. Yes, it's Fox News, so take it with a grain of salt. It, like the others, are just one poll, but we are beginning to see the emergence, at least, of some sort of a pattern. In uh, in this new Fox News poll, Donald Trump beats Hillary Clinton if the election were held today uh, 45 to 42 percent. So he beats Hillary Clinton by three points in a head-to-head matchup, according to this uh, Fox News poll. Uh, That is uh, that's up from recent numbers from another similar poll taken by Fox a few weeks ago. At the same time, in that same poll, Bernie Sanders beats Donald Trump, 46 to 42. So Sanders beats Trump by four points. Trump beats Hillary by three points. So there's a seven point difference in those polls. Now, I know that's going to make the uh, the folks who love Hillary Clinton over at Daily Coast is going to drive them crazy, make their heads explode. Mm, I hate to see that happen, but I also think they ought to be well informed so they can make a good decision uh, in, the, uh, in the remaining primaries. In the meantime, a record 61% in that poll have a negative view of Hillary Clinton. That's up from 58% in March. So her negatives are on the rise in this uh, Fox News poll. Um, And uh, so 61 percent have a negative view. 56, just 56 percent, I guess, have an unfavorable view of Donald Trump in the Fox News poll. But that's actually good news for him because uh, his unfavorables were 65 percent two months ago. So they have fallen, uh, what, about 10 points Uh, In in the previous two months, Clinton receives a 74 percent favorable rating among Democrats. She's still doing well among Democrats. But that's about the same number that Trump is doing uh, among uh, Republicans, according to the poll, 72 percent. And that also is up significantly for Donald Trump from 55 percent back in March. In the meantime, 23 percent of independents view Clinton favorably. Whereas uh, Trump's favorability among independents is 40 percent, something else for folks to keep in mind as they head to the polls in the remaining primaries in the remaining Democratic primaries. Also something to uh, keep our eyes on. We talked, I think it was last week, uh, about uh, three different polls from uh, Quinnipiac, if I remember correctly, showing that uh, Hillary Clinton was tied or losing to Donald Trump. That's Quinnipiac. That's not Fox News. That's Quinnipiac that she was tied or losing uh, to Donald Trump in uh, in a number of key swing states, Florida and Pennsylvania. She was essentially tied. She was losing by a point or two in the uh, in this important state of Ohio. And Bernie Sanders was doing better in all of those swing states, beating Donald Trump in all of them, including in Ohio. Now we have more data, more state data. Uh, This one from New Hampshire, another key swing state this November. According to the survey from WBUR, Clinton leads Trump 44 to 42 percent among Granite State voters. So she has a two point lead, only a two point lead over Donald Trump in New Hampshire. Uh, And again, the reason there is because both Clinton and Trump are exceptionally unpopular, uh, according to this poll. Um, Steve Casella, the president of the polling group, said very few people like either of them by comparison to the other presidential candidates who are out there. Uh, Both candidates are viewed unfavorably by 58% of likely New Hampshire voters, and by contrast, Democrat Bernie Sanders' numbers are just the opposite. 55% view him favorably, while just 34% view him unfavorably. According to the poll, if Sanders were the Democratic nominee in New Hampshire, he would beat Trump. At least if the election was held today, he would beat him decisively by 16 points in New Hampshire, 54 to 38. Again, that's just one poll. Each one of these polls is just one poll. Uh, But are we starting to see a pattern here in Arizona? Uh, Trump versus Clinton. This is a Democratic poll, a PPP, Democratic outfit uh, in Arizona. Trump is up by four against Hillary Clinton. Sanders is up by one over Donald Trump in that same poll, that same uh, Democratic PPP poll in Arizona, in Georgia in Georgia, which has been trending towards Democrats over the past few years. Democrats are hopeful that they may be able to turn Georgia blue. Uh, In that state, according to Fox 5 in Atlanta, Trump is up over Hillary Clinton by uh, by three points, and that is somewhat confirmed by the Atlanta Journal-Constitution, which also finds Trump up in Georgia against Hillary Clinton by, by four points. But that same poll, that Atlanta Journal-Constitution, finds Bernie Sanders up over Trump by five points in Georgia, in the South. Bernie Sanders over Donald Trump by five points. So, doing our best to inform the electorate now. For those people who uh, might say, "Hey, Brad, you're cherry picking these polls." Really, I'm not. Um, this is what we're we're now beginning to see. Some other polls do show a different, a slightly different story. However, for uh, for Hillary Clinton, the latest New York Times, uh, CBS News poll, for example, shows that if the election were held now. 47% of registered voters would vote for Clinton versus 41 for Trump. So she's got a six-point lead over Donald Trump, according to this poll, New York Times-CBS News poll. However, last month, uh, she led him by 10 points. So she led him by 10 points last month, and that is down to just six points this month. In the meantime... Bernie Sanders leads Donald Trump. This is nationally, again. Uh, Sanders leads Donald Trump in the New York Times-CBS News poll, 51% to 38%. It's not even close. Uh, Take it for what it's worth. Uh, And I won't tell you what it's worth. I'll just tell you what it is. I will tell you that in that same news poll, New York Times CBS News poll, uh, 28 percent of Mr. Sanders uh, primary voters, they say, would not support Hillary Clinton if she is the nominee. 28 percent of people uh, who back Bernie Sanders nationally say they will not support Hillary Clinton. I don't know if that means they'll uh, they'll support uh, Donald Trump instead, but that is an alarming number. And we've heard a lot of people concerned about what the uh, uh, Bernie uh, Sanders supporters might do. Uh, in uh, not just in, in the, uh, the convention coming up in Philadelphia in July, but what they might do this November, 28% of them would not vote for Hillary Clinton if Bernie Sanders does not win the nomination. That is a disturbing number until we go back to 2008. And this report from Gallup back March 26, 2008. Uh, What does it find? Well, let's see here. It finds that uh, if McCain versus Obama, this was during the primary now, and if the uh, uh, if the general election was McCain versus Obama, headline says 28 percent of Clinton backers will vote for John McCain, the exact same number. So it is troubling. In one sense, that uh, all of these supporters for Bernie Sanders say they won't be voting for Hillary Clinton if she wins the nomination. On the other hand, that is the exact same number who back in March of 2008 said they would not vote for, uh, for Barack Obama. They would vote for John McCain instead if Hillary Clinton lost the nomination battle against Barack Obama. Whatever happened with that nomination? I think uh, Barack Obama ended up winning it, didn't he?
0: I think he did. Yeah.
1: And if I recall, he ended up winning the presidency as well, and he ended up winning it handily against John McCain. So for all of the Hillary Clinton people who are freaking out that we've got a, a primary election going on and you've got a lot of passionate people out there fighting for their candidate, attacking uh, uh, their opponent... Uh, You know, just remember, that's what elections are about. That's what democracy is about. And for all of those uh, folks on the Democratic side who say that Bernie Sanders is hurting Hillary Clinton, he must get out of the race. He must drop out now. Here's another story from May 24, 2008, almost exactly eight years ago, from The New York Times. May 24, as the battle was raging between Hillary Rodham Clinton, as she called herself at the time, and uh, and uh, Barack Obama, as the primary was going on and as she was losing and as people were calling for her to get out of the race... Here's what she said. May 24, 2008, in The New York Times, Senator Hillary Rodham Clinton defended staying in the Democratic nominating contest on Friday by pointing out that her husband had not wrapped up the nomination himself until June 1992, adding, quote, we all remember Bobby Bobby Kennedy was assassinated in June in California. Her remarks were met with great criticism at the time uh, from the campaign of Senator Barack Obama, reports the New York Times, and within hours of making them, Mrs. Clinton expressed regret for saying it. Now, people need to remember, back in 2008, as Barack Obama was running for president, there was great fear that something terrible could happen to him. The first black uh, man to ever uh, be nominated, and even before he was nominated, there was concerns for his safety. The Secret Service had said that, uh, uh, you know, attempts on his life, threats against uh, Barack Obama's life had skyrocketed. They had never seen that before back in 2008. They had never seen such high numbers. And Hillary Clinton comes out in May of 2008 and says, well, you know, I I better stay in the race because, you know, we, we all remember what happened to Bobby Kennedy and that he was assassinated in June in 1968 in California. So uh, that was her argument for uh, for staying in the race back in 2008. In fact, her husband had actually wrapped up the nomination back in 1992. Bill Clinton had uh, secured the nomination. I think it was in uh, April or May. But she claimed at the time that he uh, he hadn't wrapped it up until June of 1992. That's not actually true. What she said back then in 2008 His uh, That's right. Bill Clinton's last, according to The New York Times in 2008, his last serious opponents had already dropped out uh, in March of that year. So there you go. Keep that in mind when you hear uh, these folks who are very passionate right now about their candidate. Understandably so. That's how democracy works. That's how it's supposed to work. And hopefully a better informed electorate is an electorate better prepared to do their job as voters. I hope you're somewhat more uh, informed now. We'll uh, take a quick break and we'll come back and inform you some more. This is The Bradcast. I'm Brad Friedman. Please stay tuned. (laughs) Welcome back to the Bradcast. Brad Friedman from bradblog.com as the nation freaks out over pretty much everything these days. Uh, Before I get to uh, the latest freak out coming out of Oklahoma, we have this uh, amazingly well-timed headline that uh, just popped up on my iPhone during the break. AP is reporting that the Oklahoma governor vetoes a first-in-the-nation bill that would make performing abortions a felony. Oklahoma Governor Mary Fallon vetoed the bill that would have criminalized abortion procedures in the state, criminalized a constitutionally protected uh, medical procedure. This is what the uh, Oklahoma Republicans apparently were in favor. Of. By the way, uh, Mary Fallon is a Republican governor, but she looked at this and she said, uh, yeah, no, that would be unconstitutional, that law, I guess. That's why she's vetoing it. Um, But the Republicans who pretend to be against big government, who pretend to be in favor of the Constitution, they, of course, uh, are the ones who uh, want to uh, get between you and your doctor, as they like to say when uh, Obamacare was uh, being debated. Uh, It is Republicans who want to get between you and your doctor. It's also Republicans who want to get between you and whatever is inside your pants. Oklahoma legislators today declared a bathroom, quote, emergency. Yes, legislators in Oklahoma have taken uh, the uh, freak out over the Obama administration's guidance on accommodating transgender students to a new level, with legislation aimed at undermining the guidelines and a resolution calling for the president's impeachment this, according to uh, uh, Talking Points memo today, legislation introduced on Thursday by Republican lawmakers in, in Oklahoma in uh, in the state Senate and House would provide religious accommodations for students who do not want to share a bathroom with cha- transgender students. So did you get that? Religious accommodations. Uh, <laughs> they're now claiming this is a religious freedom issue Uh, Schools would have to provide a restroom only used by people with the same sex, quote, as identified at birth, unquote, for students who request a religious accommodation. So you would have to have a special bathroom for students who request a religious accommodation to not use the same bathroom that has been used by a transgender person or something like that. Uh, the bill states that letting those students use a single occupancy occupancy restroom, quote, shall not be an allowable accommodation. So even if they put a, a make a restroom that is a single occupancy uh, you know, for those who are concerned about going into the men's or women's room, uh, that is not allowable under uh, under this uh, law being passed in Oklahoma. Under this big government law being passed by Republicans in Oklahoma, the bill, which was introduced in both the Senate and the House, also declares that the situation is a quote emergency. Really? The text of the legislation reads it being immediately necessary for the preservation of the public space, health and safety. An emergency is hereby declared to exist by reason whereof this act shall take effect and be in full force from and after its passage and approval. Wow. Not much of a freak out. And of course, you know, they'll claim that the the reason they are is not a freak out at all because of uh, all of the uh, transgender uh, men who have, or I guess, transgender women who have snuck into the bathroom to take advantage, uh, sexually assault uh, women in there or something, which, by the way, has never happened. Other than that, a total emergency. So the freak out from Republicans around the country about what the hell is going on in bathrooms where there has never been a problem before that uh, uh, freakout uh, had some ugly consequences. Uh, a few days ago, uh, as as we, we told you about a few days ago, uh, this was actually la- last Friday. Amy Toms was in a Walmart bathroom when a stranger approached her and said, you're disgusting and you don't belong here, and ended up, according to Toms, assaulting her. Uh, she had put out a video about what happened in that bathroom. I mentioned this a few days ago, and she made such a compelling case. Uh, and especially once you hear why it is that uh, she was believed to be by this other person in the bathroom, believed to be a, a, a transgender person, because uh, she has short hair. She has very short hair now. Uh, and, and, well, if you haven't heard this story, I want to play this whole thing. It's about eight minutes. Uh, this is Amy Toms explaining what happened in, uh, in the bathroom at a Walmart and, um, and explaining why it is she has such short hair.
2: Hello, Internet. It is me. So I'm sure a lot of you guys saw my Facebook status today about how a woman asked me to leave the bathroom at Walmart. And I saw it and it happened and I thought to myself, this is unbelievable. Like she said, you are not supposed to be here. You need to leave. So at first I was like, does she, does she think I like work in a different store and I shouldn't be in this bathroom? So I said, yes I do and then she flipped me off and she's like you're disgusting and she storms out so I realized like when I was washing my hands like holy shit, she just thought I was somebody who was transgender and she thought I was a dude who was hiding in the women's bathroom so okay I get that I have short hair now I was wearing a baseball cap today and some of you might wonder well hey what do you look like in a baseball cap well I'm glad you asked This is the baseball cap I was wearing. I look adorable in a baseball cap. That's just my opinion. So, okay. She does look adorable. I get it. The short hair, the baseball cap. I was wearing just a plain blue t-shirt. She saw me from the back. Okay. I can get why at first glance she would mistake me for somebody who was transgender. But I turned around and I looked at her. And at the sake of sounding blunt, I am not a flat-chested person. I mean, I have got something going on up here. (laughs) So after she told me I was disgusting and she stormed out, it really got my gears turning as to how amazingly ridiculous this is becoming as an issue. Now, I don't know if many of you know this, but you've probably used the bathroom with somebody who's transgender before. And there's this really crazy idea that transgender people deserve equal rights as anybody else and that they should be able to use the bathroom that makes them feel comfortable with their gender identity. So I think what a lot of people are getting all up in arms about is that they're like, oh, well, this gives an invitation to guys to put on a wig and go into a woman's bathroom. Like, if a guy was going to commit a crime in a women's bathroom, this law isn't going to invite them to do it. They're going to do it anyways. See, this law was not in place a year ago when I almost got raped in a bathroom because a man followed me into the women's room. Do you understand that? Like, do you get where I'm coming from here? There was no transgender bathroom law that was telling him to go into the women's room and sexually assault me. He just did it because he was an awful person and he wanted to violate someone. Okay? Like, I really don't get how this is so difficult to understand. I mean, not only are there literally no documented records of any transgender person committing a sexual crime against another person in a bathroom, I have experienced firsthand general gender, excuse me, gender neutral bathrooms. There has been one at my community college for a year. There was one at Pax East for an entire weekend. Do you know how many collective sexual assaults happen in both of those places? Zero. There were none. See, now, I don't know if people are having such a difficult time understanding this, but it's really just that transgender people want to use the bathroom and leave. Do you understand how many crimes have been committed against transgender people in bathrooms? Do you know how many transgender people have been assaulted and killed because of who they are? And you honestly have the audacity to say that you're uncomfortable with using the bathroom with them? Are you f***ing kidding me? Like, I understand, I'm a young person, and I've grown up with this, and a lot of older people may not understand this issue, but let's be real. This same thing happened in the 1960s when black people wanted to use the same bathrooms as white people. They were assaulted. They were arrested. They were discriminated against. This is nothing different. History repeats itself, all right? And I'll bet you a million dollars the same people that are getting all up in arms about transgender people using the bathrooms they prefer are the same people who probably didn't want black people using the same water fountains as them. I don't care if you think it's unnatural. I don't care if you think it's a mental issue, which it isn't. I don't care if it makes you uncomfortable. These people are who they are, and they're not going to change themselves to make you comfortable. Okay? Ah, I'm sorry, I get all up in arms about this issue because I was obviously, I was a transgender people advocate person before any of this happened. But after today and after experiencing firsthand the discrimination that they face, I cannot fathom How much discrimination transgender people must face in a lifetime. I mean, can you imagine going out every day and having people tell you that you should not be who you are, or that they won't accept who you are? Like how much must that break their heart and crush their spirit? Like, you wonder why there's such a high suicide rate amongst LGBTQA teens? This is why because people don't accept them, and people hate what they don't understand, and they hate what they don't know, and it creates this cycle of disgusting bigotry that reflects back on our nation and makes us look ridiculous. So, just, I can't believe it. I honestly, I can't believe it. I was a victim of transphobia today as a cisgender female because of my hair. Do you know why my hair is so short? Because in January, I made my third donation to the Pantene's Beautiful Lengths program. Do you know what they do? They take hair donations, and they make them into wigs, and they give them to cancer patients free of cost. Now, I am damn happy to rock a pixie cut if it means that some kid gets my hair and gets to wear it. And that's worth it to me. You know what isn't worth it? Being discriminated against in a bathroom by some who thinks they have a right to decide what gender i am and that they have a right to judge me for it so if it doesn't if it doesn't reflect with you the message i am telling you right now as a cisgender person how are you ever going to understand the struggles that transgender people face from actual transgender people. And I find it incredibly ridiculous that we have to advocate for them because they can hardly do it themselves without facing disgusting reparations. Like, I just, I can't believe it. I can't believe that people will do this to other people. I just don't understand why it's so hard to just accept someone for who they they are. I don't care what you think about me. If you're going to treat me differently because you think I'm a lesser person, then I hope you fall in a pit and every ice cream cone you ever get for the rest of your life drops into the dirt and they don't have the rest of your flavor. I hope every pie you ever get in your life turns upside down and splatters on the floor. I hope every piece of toast you ever make lands butter side down. I hope every dog you ever have hates you and likes the rest of your family more. I hope every person that you ever come in contact with treats you the same way that you treat me or that you treat any transgender person, all right? I don't wish death on people. I don't wish illness on people because I believe in karma. However, I will wish you the misfortune and the disrespect that you hand out to come straight back to you because you deserve nothing good in this world if you're going to treat another human being like that. And that's it.
1: And that's it. Amy Toms, describing what happened to her after she was misidentified as a transgender woman, in a Walmart bathroom in Danbury, Connecticut last week. Amy Toms, you go, girl. A quick break, and we're back with Green News Report and more. I'm Brad. This is your Bradcast. Welcome back to the Bradcast. Brad Friedman from bradblog.com. Well, I love that woman. I I know. She did a fantastic job. She did. Couldn't have said it better myself. Uh, Anyway, all right. Well, we better get to it. Uh, Speaking of not being able to say it better myself, Desi Doyen joins us for our latest Green News Report.
2: All of this with the global warming and that a lot of it's
1: a hoax.
0: Donald Trump promises to toss historic U.N. climate agreement. The voices of the people were heard. Native American tribes halt massive coal export terminal in Washington state. Voters halt massive Nestle water bottling plant in Oregon. Duke Energy ordered to close all toxic coal ash pits in North Carolina. Plus, another big climate victory for kids in court, this time in Massachusetts.
1: All of those victories and more straight ahead. From Bradblog.com, I'm Brad Friedman. And
0: I'm Desi Doyen. Stand
1: by for six minutes of independent green news, politics, analysis, and snarky comment climate scientists say that april was the hottest month on record it was so hot donald trump tried to make out with it <laughs> Ew. this is your green news report it's a beautiful month april's a total 10 I'm gonna soak up the sun. okay desi Doyen, you've got so much green news today <laughs> i know you can barely fit it into six minutes so i will do my best to shut up. You're welcome.
0: Okay. In North Carolina, two years after a toxic coal ash waste spill into the Dan River shut down the drinking water supply for 300,000 people, the state's environment agency on Wednesday ordered the company responsible for that spill, Duke Energy, to close and clean up nearly all of its coal ash waste pits in the state within 10 years.
1: That's good news.
0: That's a big deal to stop widespread groundwater contamination. Millions of gallons of toxic coal ash waste from Duke Energy's coal plants sit in unregulated, unlined pits. But the company plans to seek a rate increase to pass along the cost of the coal ash cleanup to its customers. Of
1: course. And by the way, the governor of North Carolina, Pat McCrory, what did he do before he became governor?
0: Oh, he was CEO of Duke Energy.
1: Oh, go figure.
0: Donald Trump says that if elected, he'll renegotiate the historic United Nations Paris Agreement. On Tuesday, in an interview with Reuters, the presumptive Republican presidential nominee panned the land. Landmark Global Climate Agreement, which was unanimously adopted after decades of negotiations by all of the world's governments to reduce emissions and confront climate change. Trump says he believes that China will renege on the agreement. But in reality, of course, China is well on its way to meeting its pledges and leads the world in renewable energy investment. It's worth noting that if Trump has his way, the only nation that would actually be reneging would be the United States. And
1: he needs to renegotiate with how many countries? But 200 countries signed on to that? Yep. Good luck.
0: In California, the pipeline company responsible for last year's Refugio Beach oil spill near Santa Barbara has been indicted for failing to maintain the decrepit onshore pipeline, which ruptured and spilled nearly 150,000 gallons of crude oil that killed wildlife and fouled miles of California beaches. Houston-based Plains All-American faces 46 criminal counts, including four felony charges, and potentially could see more than $2 billion dollars in fines for the incident. But they made $43 billion in revenue last year, so they'll probably be okay.
1: Exactly, and it'll be a tax write-off if they get any fines.
0: Another victory for kids on climate in the courts. The Massachusetts State Supreme Court this week ruled in favor of four teenagers who sued the state of Massachusetts for failing to regulate greenhouse gas emissions as required by a 2008 state law. The justices agreed, ordering the State Department of Environmental Protection to write and implement carbon emissions regulations by the end of the year. It's the latest in a string of lawsuits brought by children around the country to force state governments to act on climate change.
1: They're making the argument that, hey, we're kids and therefore you have a responsibility to take care of the environment that we are going to inherit. That's right. And the courts are agreeing.
0: So far, so good. I like it. Voters in Hood County, Oregon, on Tuesday voted overwhelmingly to kill a new water bottling plant proposed by food giant Nestlé. They voted by nearly 70%. The voters passed the county-wide ban on large bottled water operations, effectively blocking Nestlé Waters' plan to tap a spring that supplies their municipal water. Supporters said the plant would bring jobs. Critics said it amounted to privatizing their public water supply amid a drought. Finally, in Washington state, a Massive proposed coal export terminal has been stopped. After a five year effort by grassroots activists and Native American tribes, the U.S. Army Corps of Engineers has denied a crucial permit for the proposed facility at Cherry Point because it would have decimated the treaty protected fishing grounds of the Lummi Nation tribe. The grassroots opposition campaign was the deciding factor, according to Marianne Hitt, director of the Sierra Club's Beyond Coal campaign, in a recent interview on the broadcast. Demonstrating the power of advocacy. In addition to the Lummi Nation, we had hundreds of thousands of people across the Northwest speak out against these export terminals and the voices of the people were heard. And so it's a victory for our climate. It's a victory for our treaty obligations and it's a victory for democracy. The coal industry proposed six massive coal export terminals for the Pacific Northwest. Five have been canceled so far.
1: Lots of victories today. Thank you, Desi, for much more on those stories and all the ones we couldn't fit in. Check out our website at greennews.bradblog.com. Find us and follow us on the Facebooks and the Twitters at Green News Report. I'm Brad Friedman.
0: And I'm Desi Doyle.
1: And this has been your Green News Report.
2: All I do is win, 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 no matter what. Got money on my mind, I can never get enough. And every time I step up in the building, everybody's hands go up. And they stay there.
1: My thanks to our producer today, Desi Doy, and to our booking goddess, Cynthia Cohn. My thanks to you for spending a portion of your day or night with us. If you missed any portion of today's program or any other, download it anytime for free at bradblog.com or stop by iTunes. Download it there. Give us a nice review while you're there. Makes it easier for everyone else to find us. Also, my thanks to uh, those of you who have helped us out to stay on the airwaves and keep doing what it is that we do by stopping by bradblog.com slash donate. Thank you very much for all your support. Uh, if you want to drop me an email, I'm Bradcast at Bradblog.com. And on the Facebooks and the Twitters, I am the Brad Blog. Use hashtag Bradcast. That's it. Until we meet again, I'm Brad Friedman. Good luck, world.